Go ahead and grab your Bibles, your iPads, your phones, however you read your Bible, and turn to um, Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. We're continuing our um, series today, Anything But Average. Anything But Average. And I thought maybe this morning what the way we would start off <clears throat> would just be to... Um, Talk about some things that are average, okay? Just some averages. And I don't know if you ever like, like this kind of stuff, but I was looked this up. I'm amazed by just some of these statistical averages. So uh, here, here are a couple things. Ready? A few interesting facts about average. The average person falls asleep in seven minutes. That's why every seven minutes during this message, we're going to have kind of a wake-up call, all right? So um, the average bed contains over six billion dust mites. Man, just once you go, go jump in bed, right? How about this one? The average person will consume 100 tons of food and 12,000 gallons of water in their lifetime, which explains the next one. The average person goes to the toilet six times a day. <clears throat> the average person walks the equivalent of twice around the world in their lifetime. The average American will consume over 465 trees worth of paper in their lifetime. How about this? The average person sheds 1.5 pounds of skin each year. Yeah, see, snakes aren't the only thing that shed, right? So, all right, but uh, the average woman, how about this? We know there's no such thing. You all are all above average. <coughs> You're a wise man, brother, right there. I was trying to help you out, guys. Give you a chance. We'll try it one more time. You ready? The average woman, which we know there's no such thing. Come on, guys. Amen. Right? All of our women are above average. Okay, the average woman will consume over six pounds of lipstick in their lifetime. <laughs> Help us, Jesus, right? The American average, how about this one? The American average spends 120 hours a month watching television, the equivalent of five complete days in front of a TV. We wonder why people's brains are turning to mush. Um, the average person loses an average of 40 to 100 strands of hair a day. I look out here and see we've got some people who are really above average. <laughs> you, you resemble that remark, don't you, brother? <laughs> um, the average person produces 25,000 quarts of saliva in a lifetime. Oh, it's already... Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> Saliva in a lifetime. Enough to fill two swimming pools. Yeah, think about that next time you take a dip, right? Well, so lots of, <laughs> lots of uh, amazing averages there. Um, well, one thing I can sure... Uh, we're not talking to any average people here today, right? Nobody here wants to be average, amen? Right, right. Just turn to that person beside you and say, you're not average. <clears throat> I mean, seriously... If you think about it, whoever starts out with the goal of being average or, or thrilled with the idea of being average, we alluded to that a little bit last week, but here's, here's a couple more thoughts, okay? This, how about your financial life? Anybody say, oh, I just want average, just, 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 just average. No. Um, listen to these. According to the Federal Reserve and government statistics, the average household owes $7,281 in credit card debt alone. That average includes even those who carry no debt at all. So when you take out the households and families that don't carry a balance on their credit cards, the average outstanding balance is $15,609. As of two, August of 2015, <clears throat> U.S. household consumer debt, the average mortgage debt on a house in America was $156,333. 
The average student loan debt was over almost $33,000. In total, American consumers owe $11.85 trillion in debt. Okay, this, is as, this is as of August 2015. This is, that's up 1.7% uh, from last year. The average consumer or the American consumer owes $890 billion in credit card debt, $8.2 trillion in mortgages, almost $1.2 trillion in student loans. All these are on the increase. So let me ask you, with averages like this, how many people want to be average? <laughs> no. We want to be anything but average, don't we? So I want to encourage you, and just in, in lines with this, let, let me encourage you. Seriously, seriously, we're, we've got a testimony we're going to share here with you sometime soon about um, just God's, God's God of more than enough. He really is. I want to encourage you, be lined up, be lined up with, um, with God's economy, with God's plan for his kingdom and God's plan for your life and, and God's plan for New Covenant Church. I, I appreciated last week, Dan and Mark giving the, the reports there. Uh, and, and let me say this little aside here real quick. <clears throat> Please be praying for the New Covenant Church building team this week. On uh, Friday, the building team will be meeting with both um, an architect and a contractor. If the architect and the contractor can speak the same language, they look like they can get along. We look like we're going to be ready to execute with our building plan moving forward. And, um, <clears throat> and according to Mark, as he said, uh, at the meeting the other night, or at the, his, when he was given his report the other day, that um, I, I really believe we can be breaking ground and moving forward um, this fall and moving into a new, uh, moving to our new building. Anybody excited about that? Yes. <clears throat> so, yeah, give the Lord a hand for that this morning, all right? <clears throat> so God never created us, New Covenant Church, to be average, and he certainly, he certainly did not create you to be average. God formed you and fashioned you to be anything but average. And so this week, I want us to jump in. Are you there in, in Genesis chapter 25? This week, as I was studying and preparing, I think the Lord gave me, a, I really believe the Lord gave me a, a fresh revelation and an insight into one of the oldest uh, stories about families in the Bible and back in Genesis. And I actually, this is one of my favorite Old Testament sections of Scripture. There's so much in here. We're not going to get to cover everything today, but man, there's just, there's just so much wonderful, wonderful uh, stuff in here. And I've been intrigued by this story. Uh, we're going to be talking about kind of the, the, the heritage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And actually, we're going to talk about the, the, the brothers there, Jacob and Esau. I was really wondering, I was, Lord, Lord, do you really want me to talk about Jacob and Esau this week? And Friday night we were out to dinner with uh, Clinton and Polly, and we, uh, man, we were sitting there, and all of a sudden this um, young couple walked in with a, uh, babies in both hands, five-week-old twin boys, and sat them down. I said, Lord, I'll just take that as a yes. Okay, so um, hey, let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to help us, all right? Father, we love you so much, and we really do, God. We say what we want more than anything else today, <coughs> Father, is not just to hear a message but God, to hear a word from you, to receive, God, your voice into our lives. And so, God, I really do. I just say right now, we take authority over anything that would seek to hinder us, God, anything that would seek, God, to, to keep us or to limit us from being everything that you've created to be. We thank you for your word. We honor it. We receive it today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 When we look at the story of the family of Abraham... Um, as a matter of fact, the New Testament actually tells us that, that when we accept Jesus Christ, that we become a part 
of the family of Abraham. <clears throat> Abraham is our forefather. And so as we look at this story here today, what we're really looking at is part of our family tree. Now, does that scare anybody to look back and think about their family tree? Uh, well, um, we're, we're going to see that uh, families are made up of all kinds of different things, and, and this is going to be one of them. So, uh, so here we go. Let's jump in. And we're going to look and we're going to read here in Genesis chapter 25, beginning in verse 19. It says, These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah. And then it goes on and says, And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived... Because, so she wasn't able to have children, and the Lord made her able to have children. She's um, having these children, and something's going on. There's this struggle. She's asking what's going on. And so she goes to the Lord and asks, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Now, what we're seeing here is a deviation of the way that things normally work because normally the older, the firstborn, is the one that he's kind of the leader. He's the one in charge. But God's got a different plan. God's got a unique and a special plan. The scripture goes on. It says, When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak. So they called his name Esau. And afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. And the scripture says that their father was 60 years old at this time. And these boys, they grew up and they one Esau, the firstborn, the one that was red and hairy. He became a hunter. He was one who liked to be out in the field and out in the woods. And he was out there and, uh, and he all, liked all those kind of outdoors things. And it says, while Jacob was a quiet man, some translations say, he was a peaceful man. He was kind of an easygoing man. And he dwelt in the tents. He was more of a culinary expert. He kind of hung out in the house there. And the scripture says here, it says, Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. So Esau would go out hunting. He'd kill things, bring it back in, feed it to his father. His father loved that kind of thing. But Rebekah loved Jacob because Jacob was there and she, maybe she was, he was helping her with the cooking, helping her with the housework and all those kind of things. So we see that these two children are born, Esau, and his name actually means strong, okay, it means one that was, a, he was strong. And then there's Jacob. Now Jacob's name, it actually means heel grabber, okay? So a lot of times in, in scripture things, when a child was born, they would name the child after something, or they would name the child um, hoping to plan his destiny, that, that whatever they named him is like what he was going to become. And so we see here that he's named, he had his hand on his brother's heel, they call him heel grabber. Um, other translations, in other words, say that he was called, um, that he was one that he was called a trickster. He was the one who would trip people up. Anybody ever been, remember uh, in, in school or and you're walking down the hall and there was always that one person and they thought it was just so hilarious to come up and kick the back of your heel and trip you? Does anybody know anybody like that? We need to pray. Let's get free from that. I can still see a picture in my face that somebody just thought that was the most funny thing in the whole world and I just thought it'd be funny to turn around and just pop him one, but that wasn't a good idea either, right? So, so here we've got this guy. We've got this this uh, young man, we've got Jacob, and he's going through his life, and, 
And can you picture it now? Every time somebody says something to him, they go, oh, hey, trickster. Hey, you joker. You, hey, you, you, tri you know, you're the person that's always tripping people up. I mean, can you see what kind of identity? You deceiver. That was part of that identity. You're one that's a deceiver. And, and as we look at Jacob's life, what we're going to find out is that he really did live up to his name. He was always going about deceiving people, and, and that was something that filled his life. And so what we want to do this morning is we're going to take a couple snapshot views. And if you want to know the whole story, you can go back and read it in Genesis 25 through Genesis 32 or whatever it is here. But just some snapshots, okay? So let's read on in Genesis 25. At this time, the young men have grown up, and they're kind of young men. Maybe they're teenagers, early 20s, something like this. And the Scripture says, and so one day... Jacob was cooking stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of this red stew, for I'm exhausted. And there were probably some, you know, some red beans and some rice and some cornbread. And anybody getting hungry here? So um, <clears throat> it says, he says, let me have some of this, for I'm exhausted. And therefore, his name is called Edom. And Edom just actually means red. He wanted some of that red stuff, okay? Jacob said, sell me your birthright. And we won't go into everything that a birthright is, but a birthright just meant basically a double portion of blessing. That, that Esau, being the firstborn, was entitled to this double portion of blessing. And Jacob said, well, I'll give you something to eat if you give me your birthright. And Esau says, sure, I'm about to die. What good is this birthright going to do me? And Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and he sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and stew and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. And listen to this. It says, then Esau despised his birthright. Anybody ever been in a situation like that where you did something that maybe in the moment it seemed like a good idea, but just a few minutes later it didn't seem like such a great idea? Just, just a couple of... Anybody ever done anything like that? I think we've all done that, haven't we? What we see here is we see Jacob kind of living out. He's kind of defining. He's showing his nature. He's showing an average life. Now, a couple things stand out to me in that little section of Scripture there. One is, it seemed like that, that Jacob's life became very self-centered. I mean, how hard-hearted do you have to be? Your brother comes in out of the field. He's been out there hunting, getting game, getting food, maybe even things that you're going to be able to cook up, you're going to be able to eat. But he has no compassion for his brother. And he's, here he's going to barter. He's going to try and get something. He's going to try and take something. He lacked an honor for his family members. He lacked an honor for God. And I, and I think that one of the biggest things that Jacob was doing is he was making a mistake that you and I make. And he was, he was thinking that the only way he could get what he really wanted was he had to get it for himself. Anybody ever felt like we're, you're your own source? I, I, if something's good's going to happen in my life, I've got to make it happen. It's about me. And he failed to realize he was trying to purchase. He was trying to buy. He was trying to get for himself what he could only get from God. And folks, I would just say that's one of those things we just need to write down in our notes. We need to go ahead and tweet that because, listen, so many times we fall into that same place. We think, I've got to get myself, I've got to make myself whole, I've got to make myself healthy, I've got to make myself happy, and it only comes from the Lord. Can anybody say amen this morning? Amen? So it, it, maybe, it's a possible, maybe it's possible that through the years, Esau had heard people talking about this prophecy that had taken place before they were born and how that his brother, his younger brother, the mama's favorite there, was going to be the one that was going to rule over him. And I think probably what happened is maybe he took up a little bit of an offense in his heart. 
Maybe he had a little bit of angst against his brother already. Maybe he, he, he was kind of looked at him always with this. He's that trickster out there. And he was always looking at him saying, I've just got to be careful of him, wary of him. Maybe he didn't have, maybe he had a good reason not to trust him. So after he sells his birthright, he's dejected, he's hurt. He devalues the blessing of God in his life. And then he thinks, what have I done? What have I done? He's, I think he really came to a place where he said, you know what? My life is marked now. Now I'm the older son, but I don't have the birthright. I'm not going to get the blessing. He goes, I'm just in a place where, where, where I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm lost. I'm, I'm hurt. I'm marked. I thought it was interesting, Corey, you used that word this morning where it says, well, we're making a mark in the line. You know what the enemy wants to do? He wants to come and he wants to mark our lives. And he wants to try to identify us as you're a loser, you're a quitter, you're no good, you're not of value. And what we do in place of that is we receive the marks that, of Jesus Christ upon our lives. Amen? We say, God, we are marked by the finished work of Christ, by the blood of Jesus Christ that makes us a new person. I, I think there's times when the, the enemy wants to come along and he'll use anything he can to mark us. For some people, you know what I think? You're too old. You're too old to do anything for God. You're too old to do anything in the kingdom. You, you, your value, your time has passed. And, and can I remind you, remind you today that, that, that time is not an issue to God? Amen? Then I'm telling you, there was a man in the Bible, his name was Caleb, and at 85, was it 80, 85 years old, Caleb said, give me this mountain. He goes and conquers a mountain. He, he conquers enemy people. He takes territory. He does great things for Jesus. And for other people, though, the enemy would like to come along and he'd like to say, you know what? You're too young to do anything for God. All right? I know I deal with this all the time. So it's just, uh, thank you. I appreciate you for getting that this morning. So, right? But how many people, how many times has somebody looked at, maybe at our teenagers? And teenagers, let me tell you this. You're not too young to make an impact in the kingdom of God. And you are. And I'm proud of you. And we're proud of you. Aren't we proud of our young people, guys? Come on, one more time. Let's just let them know that. Amen? We really are. I, I think about that. I think about that, that in the Bible it was, you know, think about David. When he was a young man, he went out there and he slew a bear. And, and I love how it reads in the scripture when it says that the lion came and tried to attack him. Did he grab the bear? I mean, he grabbed the lion by his beard. I, I, I don't know where, why, what would ever possess you to grab a lion by its, by its beard. But he killed it. You know, I'm telling you, there's great things that God can do in you and through you. Don't let anybody, no matter what the enemy's trying to tell you or trying to mark your life with, the only person that gets to mark your life, the only person that gets to say who you are, the only person that gets to define you is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And I would say this. I felt like that, I think one of the things the Lord showed me was that Esau in his heart thought, well, I've gone too far now. I've sold my birthright. I've made a huge mistake. I've, I've given up the blessing of God. There's no going back. The thing that maybe the enemy says that to you today. Maybe he says you've gone too far. You've crossed over the line. There's no going back. But can I tell you this? There's a going forward. There's always a going forward in God. Amen. He can always make a way where there doesn't seem like there is a way. Maybe it feels like that that relationship, that marriage has gone too far. Too many things have gone on. Too much deceit. Too much hurt. Too much pain. Maybe there's been too much disappointment in your life. But I'm telling you that in God there is always a way forward. Amen? 
Does anybody believe that today? I really, really believe that. In Genesis 26, we, we kind of move into the next phase here of Isaac's life. There's a drought that comes into the land, and we won't go on to all this, but this is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. During this drought time, Isaac moves his family. He moves Esau and Jacob, and Esau's married now and got a wife, and Jacob's still there cooking in the, in the house. But, but Isaac's getting ready to die as we look in these sections of Scripture. And before he dies, he has a, a, he has a, a patriarchal, a paternal obligation. And that, that obligation is to pass on the blessing to the oldest child. And so he, here's what he does. He calls his son Esau. He says, Esau, come on in here. I want to bless you, okay? But before I bless you, go out there and get me some of that food. Go hunting for me and kill something and, and bring it in here. And Rebecca, the wife, hears about it and she tells her younger son Jacob, and, and that's kind of where we pick up the story. It, uh, Jacob's, um, Jacob's mom encourages him to go in and to kind of steal this blessing. And here's what it says in Genesis 27. It says, so he went into his father and said, my father. Now, now, listen to this. The father hears his son's voice and he says, here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn I've done what you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you found it so quickly? And Jacob says to him, oh, it's God granted me uh, success. And Isaac said to him, Jacob, come near that I can feel you. So what we see going on here is Jacob's rec I mean, Isaac is recognizing that, wait a minute, something's just not right. Something, I, I, it doesn't, it sounds like my son Jacob, but, but he's saying that he's Esau and he brings him close so he can feel his hands. And, and, and then in the midst of this, in verse 23, he does something. He says, he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's, Esau's hands, so he blessed him. And he said, are you really my son Esau? And he answered, I am. Do we see that nature, that that? thing that had defined his life all along, being a trickster, being a deceiver, being one who lived through deception, one who tries to get by his own hands what only God can give. His life is being marked by this pattern. And so Esau, so Isaac blesses him and, and he, he kisses him and he smells him and he says, okay, here's the blessing. So what we see is that Jacob, with the help of his mother, he had come to believe that deception, that being someone else was the only way to get what you could really get in life. And folks, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that we live in a world where there are so many people that are living average lives. Lives that say, look, the, who I am is not good enough. And who God's created me to be, that's, that's, not, that's not good. That's not, that's, that's not enough. I want to be like so-and-so. And I want to be like the, the sports star. And I want to be like the movie person. And I want to be like this person or that person. And if I was just somebody else, then my life could be anything but average. And I'm telling you, that's a lie from the enemy today. It's a lie from the enemy that says you've got to be somebody else. I, I, I'm, I'm praying that God will help us to hear this. I know the enemy speaks this into our, into our hearts, into our minds. And he's trying to always shape us and twist us and get us to be somebody else, somebody other than who we are. And um, Jacob had lost the fact he had forgot about the promise of God. You know what? Can I say this? This is why we need people in our lives. This is why we need brothers and sisters who will speak faith into our lives. 
This is why I'm serious. I am so blessed. One of, one of the greatest blessings of, of, of being pastor here is to have people like Corey and Chris and many of you that from time to time will just come up and say, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, don't give up on the dream. Keep, keep moving forward. Is anybody here thankful for people? Aren't you thankful? Anybody thankful for a husband that'll speak faith to you or a wife that'll come and speak a word of correction to you? <laughs> We're still processing that one, aren't we? We're still working on that one, right? But aren't you thankful? We need it. We need those friendships. We need those people who will encourage us in the faith. Somebody has said, and we've probably all heard of this, says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future, right? So we need people of God. I think there's a temptation in all of us to try to make God's plans happen in our own strength. And we might get away with it for a while, but the end of it's going to result in trouble. And that's exactly what we find out. We find out that uh, when Esau comes in, he sees that his birthright has been stolen. And he's, he begins to get furious. He begins, he realized that once again, Jacob has impacted his life. And, and here in verse 35 of, of chapter 27, it says, Your brother came and deceitfully he's taken away your, bro, your blessing. And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He's took away my birthright. Now behold, he's taken away my blessing. And, and, and this is such a sad thing. He, he cries out, Father, have you not reserved a blessing for me? And, and, Jacob, or, and Isaac's like, I'm so sorry, son. I, I, I can't do this. And let, me, let me just take a time out for a moment and say this. We're reading in the Old Testament, all right? And can I tell you, the good news is in the gospel, God's got a blessing for everybody. Amen? He's got, a, he's got things he can... God's blessing in our lives. God's ability to change things in our lives. God's ability to pour into our life never runs out. So we don't have to come, become like Esau. We don't have to be shortchanged and dejected and hurt. And we can receive a constant flow of the blessing of God. Genesis 27, verse 41 goes on and says, Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing which was his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother. See what's happening here? That, that just disgust and anger and, and bitterness and hatred and all of these things. We think that we're doing something against somebody else, but what's he doing? It's really causing, it's changing us. It's making us into, into not the leader that God wants to be, but in Esau's heart, making him into a murderer. Verse 42, it says, But the words of Esau, her son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, listen to this verse, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself now about, uh, about you by planning to kill you. Has anybody here ever done that? Anybody ever played that game? Anybody ever comforted themselves by thinking bad thoughts about anybody? Don't raise your hand, please. And certainly don't elbow your neighbor. All right? So... We, we, we think about, well, man, if I could get that person. I mean, I probably deal with this on South Broadway more than any other place in my life. That, that, that driver, I, I, I adhere to the Jeff Foxworthy. You know, if somebody cuts in front of you, you should be able to, allow to you kind of put your bumper under them and just kind of drive them off the side of the road, you know. But I'm, I'm telling you, how many times do we comfort ourselves by planning, by thinking, by rehearsing in our minds how we can hurt other people? And let me say it again, the only person that's being hurt there is you. You're being taken captive. How, and it goes on, she says, So flee, so run away, until your brother's fury turns away. 
until your brother's anger turns away, until he forgets what you have done to him. Now, can I ask you a question? He'd already received some bad counsel from his mother. How many, how many people have ever seen time make you forget real serious and deep pain? I, I, maybe it's worked that way in your life. I've never found that to be true. Friday, I had the opportunity to, um, a, a, a deep, a great honor, uh, to go and to participate in a, um, a ministry. It's called Hearts of Beauty. <clears throat> and this ministry had about 125 or 30 women at this conference. And part of the conference was um, coming, and like we, we've done with some of our Kairos, and coming and standing in front of the, different people, come and stand, and they would read these statements to the ladies. And so there was a mom that comes up, and a sister that comes up, and a brother that comes up, and a stepfather that comes up, and a father that comes up, and, and the father, and, and I was selected to do the part of the father. And the father comes up, and he stands, and he, and he begins reading, and he says, I, I'm here to represent your father, and I'm so sorry for the times that I neglected you or the times that I hurt you or the times that I treated you inappropriately or the times when I wasn't there to support you or to give you what you really needed or to love you or to protect you. And, and after that, it says, if this is something you deal with, they, we said, would you please be courageous enough to stand? And, and I don't know what I expected in my mind, but I thought maybe there would be a few people. There were probably 45 or 50 ladies that stood and and then they, they take the, the person you're representing. And so as the father, I went to, I would go to these, these women and I would take their hands and I'd look into their eyes and I'd say, I'm so sorry. Will you please forgive me? Can you imagine? Uh, uh, there, there were a couple of people that were just so overcome emotionally that they weren't even able to stand. There, there were most of the ladies there. It took a minute before they could even lift their head to be able to make eye contact. I can't tell you how much, I, I mean, this, it, it moved my heart. There was such, I could feel, I could feel the deep pain in these ladies' lives. They, they didn't go into detail of, of how they had been hurt or how they had been disappointed or how they had not been loved or protected by their fathers. But some of them were very young. They were 20 years old. Some of them were, were much older than I am. And what it told me was that they had been carrying this thing all through their lives. It had marked the way that they did life. It had marked the way that they did relationships. It had marked... The, maybe some of how they related to their husband, how they related to their own children, or maybe even their grandchildren. There was one lady in particular that really moved my heart. It was, um, I, I came up to her, and, and she stood just side to me, and, and I reached over, and, and when I kind of just gently touched her on the arm, she kind of pulled away. And finally, another lady came over and kind of turned her towards me, and I, I took her hands, and and she would, and she kind of really just kind of out of the side of her eyes, just made eye contact with me. <clears throat> and she said, um, I said, I'm, I'm so sorry. Will you please forgive me? And her, her response was, I forgive you and let go of my hands and turned away. How many people think she might still be carrying some of that hurt, some of that pain? There were some people, I mean, there was one lady, I can hear her voice as I'm standing here this morning. 
She goes, why did you not protect me? Why? Where were you? One said, why? Why? Why didn't you ever love me? Why was I never good enough for you? I wonder this morning, how many things have tried to define our lives? How many things have tried to come and to, and to define who we are? How, how many things have come and tried to name us victim or hurt or, or loser, weak, desperate? How many things have tried to come and to, to say, you might think you're something, but this is really who you are? And I'm here to tell you today that, that that's not who God says you are. God says you're not, you're not a hurt person. You're not a victim per, a person. You're not a hopeless person. You're not a useless person. God's got a purpose and God's got a plan for you. And I believe that this morning, just in the last few minutes of this service, that, that God wants to do a work in some people's lives this morning where He says, I'm bringing you back and I'm bringing you into the fullness of why you were created I'm bringing in you into your divine destiny. That's what he did with Jacob. He arranged circumstances through his life where, where he dealt with all, all through his life. He's being tricked. He's tricking people. He's lying. He's being lied to. But in the midst of it, go and read it for yourself, God's grace was still upon him. God blessed him. God gave him wives and children and flocks and herds. And, and God said, I'm going to bring you back. And can I tell you that the promise of God today is still active over your life. You may say, well, it sure doesn't look like it. <laughs> I'm, in a, I'm in a crazy place. I'm in a, I'm in a hard place. I'm in a difficult place. I'm, I'm not where I ever thought I would be. But can I tell you, the story's not over yet. God's not finished yet. Amen? I'm telling you, God's got an anything but average plan for your life today. God's got a, a, a wonderful plan. And so he... he orchestrates everything to bring Jacob back to, to his own land and bring him back into a relationship with, his, with his, his, his family, with his brother. And he's got every reason. Listen, he's got every reason to be afraid of going back. He's got every reason to be afraid. His, his brother had all these years to, to fester and to... And man, I'm just telling you, it, we're not going to have time to deal with it. Go and read it. You need something to do this afternoon? Go and read it. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful story of reconciliation of how Esau comes and receives Jacob. But prior to the reconciliation, there's an encounter with God. And so Jacob sends everybody else on across the river into the land, and Jacob's alone. Jacob's alone. And, and, and listen, there's some things very specifically, if you'll, if you'll believe this today, that God spoke about. There was a couple of things. One was just loneliness. God says, listen, you may be alone, but you don't have to be lonely because God is with you. God hasn't taken his eye off of you. God hasn't forgot about you. You hear that this morning? You hear that this morning? I'm telling you, God says that. The second thing that specifically God spoke to me today, or spoke to me this week about, is that there are people who are just dealing with frustration. 
You're frustrated about life. You're frustrated about, I thought things were going a different direction. I thought things were going to happen in a different time. I thought things were going to happen at a different pace. I never thought I'd be here doing what I'm doing. And there's just this sense of deep frustration. And can I tell you today, that's trying to mark your life. It's trying to define who you are. But God says, I've got a different word to speak over you. And so God says, come on. Jacob, let's get together. And so Jacob is waiting, and he, the next day he's going to go and meet his past. He's going to go and meet his brother. He's going to go and meet the person. He's going to, all the things that that represents. And God says, before you do that, I want to meet with you. And so God shows up in the form of an angel, and he begins to wrestle with Jacob. Now, I don't understand all the dynamics of this, all right? But all I know is they're wrestling, they're wrestling through the night, and as they're wrestling, it begins the sun starts to come up. The angel goes, look, I've got to get out of here. I've got other things to do, you know. And so, and Jacob says, I'm not going to let go. I'm going to prevail. I'm going to wrestle with you. I'm going to hold on until I get a blessing. <laughs> and if I was the angel, I would laugh. Because <laughs> here he is again. I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to wrestle until I get it. And, and he goes, you're not that strong. So the angel, and the Bible says like this, as he reaches over and touches that's how I see it. He kind of takes maybe his little finger. He reaches over and he touches his hip and he puts his hip out of socket. And for the rest of his life, he walks with a limp. And then Jacob says, bless me, bless me, bless me. And the angel says, I'm going to bless you because you've prevailed with God. You've held on even in the midst of the trouble, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of all the stuff you've gone through. You've held on. You've come to God and you've said, I'm going to, I need God. And folks, can I tell you, if you want to prevail, this is where it starts. Holding on, coming, getting a hold of God and saying, God, I'm not going to leave here until you do something in my life. And so he says this, he says, Here's what I'm going to do. And, he, and I love this. Here's the part I underline in my notes. He said, what is your name? Now, how many people think that the angel of the Lord didn't know what his name was? Somebody said this recently. Maybe it was Martin or somebody said that God never asks us a question so he'll get information. So he'll learn something. He always asks a question so we'll learn something. Amen? God ever asked you a question? <laughs> what are you doing here? What is wrong with your attitude? Has the Lord ever asked you, what is wrong with your attitude? Has he ever told you, look in the mirror, right? I'm, so he asked him, he says, what is your name? And, and listen to what he says. He says, I'm Jacob. I'm the deceiver. I'm the trickster. I'm, the, I'm, this, I'm this guy with this, this horrible history. What else do you want to know about me? And God, and God stops him and says, whoa. That may be who you've been, but that's not who you're going to be. You're going into a new land. You're going into a new season. You're going into, does anybody believe we're moving into a new season? There's something stirring. There's something going on. And God's saying, you're moving into a new place. And you're going with a new name. He says, I now make you, your name now is Israel. That L means God. You have prevailed. You've, you've, you, you, you will prevail with God. And folks, can I tell you the only way that you and I are going to prevail is with God. The only way that you and I prevail is with God. And God, listen, from Him, all of the nation of Israel now exists. From Him, the blessing of Christ comes to our lives. From this one that was marked by all this other stuff when God spoke to him. Hey, listen. God spoke to him. God made him a new person. God gave him a new name. That's the exact promise. That's the exact blessing that we get in Jesus Christ. 
No more losers, now we're winners. Now we're victorious. Now we're overcomers, amen? Now that we are more than enough. Now, now, he says, my, your name is Israel. Let me close with this, these, uh, these scriptures here this morning. John chapter 13 says this, it says, um, and, and this is why Jesus was so amazing. John chapter 13 says that Jesus knew who he was, he knew where he had came from, and he knew where he was going. He knew where he was going. I want to ask you this morning, what's your name? Is your name just average? Is it defeated? Is it run down? Is it dejected? Is it hopeless? Is it, is it, ah, it just doesn't really matter? I'm a nobody, loser, right? Listen, that's not what God says about you. God says, you are my child. You're my daughter. You're my son. You're, you're anointed. God says, you've got a, I've got a plan for your life. I've got a purpose for your life. I've got a things to do in and through you that you can't imagine yet. You can't see them yet. But listen, I, he wants to give us a new name. That's part of our heritage in Jesus Christ. Isaiah said it like this. He said, the nations shall see your righteousness and the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name out of the, that the mouth of the Lord will give you. Revelation. Now you can go out today and you can tell your family, what the preacher preached on? I don't know. He preached from Genesis to Revelation, though. It took him all day. So, right? Revelation says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone. And with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one that receives it. Can I tell you this today? I believe that there are already people here. That God's put some dreams in your heart. That God's put some desires in you. That there are some people here that says, Man, I, I want to make a difference in the kingdom of God. I want my life to count for something. I want to leave a godly heritage. There's some things that are on the inside of you that maybe nobody else knows about. Maybe your spouse and your children. Nobody knows about it. But, but there's a dream. There's a destiny that's burning in you. And you're thinking, and the enemy keeps saying to you, That's ridiculous. Who do you think you are? Don't you know? You're just old Jacob over there. You're, just a, you're the lost one. You're the, you're the least one. You're the, you're the hopeless one. And God's saying, wait a minute, that's not who you are. I've put that dream in you. I've put that desire in you. I've put that hope in you. I've put that gift in you. I've put that plan in you. And I'm going to bring it to pass. By my might, by my power, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Anybody, does, does anybody, is that true of anybody? Is that a confirmation to anybody? Anybody sense that there's some of that stuff stirring in us? I made a note here. Um, just in my notes, I just glanced at it about, about thinking about, you know, as we go forward. Let's, please, let's continue to be praying. I, I, I've, look, we've got a dream. The, the leadership team, we've got a dream that, that goes beyond just having a building, but having, being a place that, that makes an impact for the kingdom of God, that, that sources Man, one of those, those words we use, we, we're praying for the water to rise higher and all the boats, all the work of the kingdom of God, all the churches come higher. Man, we, that's in us. And I've, Let me ask this question. <clears throat> How many people have ever had a thought cross through your mind that says, God, I wish you'd just make a way where I could pay for that whole church? Anybody? Is anybody? Now, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to write a check today. But uh, no, seriously, I mean, just lift your hand. How many people, can I see, how many people have ever had that thought? Some of you are really afraid. You've got this hand thing going on down here. I don't trust him. If I raise my hand, he'll count. Uh, one more time. I want you to look around. Look, look around, look around. And, and that's something as, that's something as non-essential as a building. What other dreams are in our heart? I'm telling you, God is moving in his people. 
God wants to write a new name. God wants to free you from the identity of the past. He wants to set you on a pathway, on a journey for the future with a new name. A name that's written down in glory. A name that comes to pass. A name that shapes and molds who we are going forward by His might and by His power and for His glory. And what I ask you today is, anybody ready to receive a new name today? Is there anybody who says, God, I want, to, I want you to write a new name on my heart. God, I want to receive what you say about me today. I want to agree with what you say about me. If that's your desire this morning, would you stand? Would you stand and say, God, that's what I want. Don't do it because it's the end of the service. Do it because you're saying, God, I want to be who you say I am. I'm who you say I am. Who you say I am. Do you mean it this morning? Do you mean it this morning? Come on, if you mean it this morning, listen. Listen, look at me, look at me. Let me see your eyes, okay? Okay, Jacob's encounter wasn't with a preacher, wasn't with a service. Jacob's encounter was with God. And can I tell you, right where you stand this morning, just in a moment, just in a moment, you can encounter God. You can ask God, God, I know who I think I am, but who do you say I am? Who do, I, who do you say I am? Why don't you, listen, don't believe me. Ask Him for yourself. Why don't you do that? Why don't you just shut your eyes right now and very honestly, very sincerely, just say, God, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? God, right now we reject everything from the past that would try to identify us, that would try to label us, that would try to mark us. I'm not less than anybody else. I'm not a loser, God. God, I'm not dirty. I'm not broken. I'm not rejected. I'm not unloved. I'm not the rebellious one. I'm not the jerk. I'm not the I'm not the one who is has been the trickster. I'm not an angry person. I'm not, I'm not a murderer. I'm a son of Almighty God. I'm a daughter. Come on. Just let God speak to you right now. God, just speak to your people and just tell them we are who you say we are.